0: Hello and welcome to the MJ Tank Podcast, December 10, 2019, coming to you on a Tuesday here live on YouTube and available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, if those are platforms that you enjoy. We are going to talk NFL Week 15 and we're also going to talk some NBA today because although there were some interesting NFL matchups I don't want to spend the full hour doing that and there wasn't anything non-sports related I really felt like talking about today so we're actually going to delve into the NBA I'm going to give you my top 10 NBA teams right now this, this won't necessarily be a list in terms of the top 10 teams I think are most likely to win the Super Bowl. Or not even Super Bowl, excuse me, NBA Championship. That's how you know I talk too much NFL. Um, this will not be a list of top 10 teams most likely to win the NBA Championship. It'll more so be just the top 10 teams right now in terms of like a power ranking. And I'll tell you, you know, when I'm talking about each team, how likely I think they are to actually win the NBA Championship this year as well. So we're going to get into NFL Week 15. Uh, week 15. Excuse me, NFL week 14, and then we're going to get into the NBA, giving my top 10 NBA teams. Real quick, let me grab my laptop charger because this will be a problem in 30 minutes. And let me get ahead of it now. Excuse me momentarily. NFL Week 14, and we begin with the Thursday night football game. As we had the Dallas Cowboys losing yet again to the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears come out on top 31 to 24. I had this game wrong. I expected the Dallas Cowboys to come out and beat the Chicago Bears, and this was an embarrassing game for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they got thoroughly embarrassed. I know that the final score says that Dallas lost by seven points, but this was a pretty dominant victory by the Chicago Bears. And you look at the Dallas Cowboys again, and you look at the box score again, and Dak Prescott has at least twice as many throws as the Cowboys have run. This continues to be a poor formula for the Dallas Cowboys. It doesn't work. And they were ahead in this football game in the first quarter. That first drive, they ran the football. They moved the ball down the field. They threw it a lot in that drive, too. But they scored the touchdown. They were up 7-zip. And then they got scared in the second quarter when the Bears put up points, started becoming pass-happy again. And then before you knew it, the Chicago Bears were dominating the football game and ultimately won the football game. Very disappointing for the Dallas Cowboys as, again, they only had 3.7 yards per carry, but Ezekiel Elliott had 4.3 yards per carry and two touchdowns. I mean, just run the ball more. That's your formula. That's what you need to be doing, but they're not doing that, and now they're tied with the Philadelphia Eagles for first place in the NFC East. Shockingly, if you watch that Monday Night Football game between the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants, which we'll get into in a moment, But that is the case, and the NFC East will likely come down to that Week 16 Dallas Cowboys at Philadelphia Eagles game. However, we'll have to even see about that because who knows with these teams right now? I mean, the Cowboys are falling and they cannot get up, and the Eagles barely got up on Monday night. You look at the Chicago Bears. Mitchell Trubisky actually looked pretty good in this football game. I mean, he's looked better overall over the past actual number of weeks now. So he's definitely going to be the starter next year to me. I'm telling you, they're not going to give up on Mitchell Trubisky. They're going to give him another shot. I just don't see them training for uh, Cam Newton or picking him up if he's released. I think they're going to go with a Marcus Mariota-type option, a Teddy Bridgewater-type option, a guy that can start but is not necessarily debts that are looking for a starting job, would like a starting job. I'm sure Teddy Bridgewater would love to have a starting job. I'm not as convinced that teams are going to go into Teddy Bridgewater and give him a starting deal. I mean, And especially right now when you look at all these teams that quote-unquote need quarterbacks, a lot of them are either going to settle with taking a guy like Joe Burrow or Tua Tungavailoa early or... The Denver Broncos, they still have Flacco under contract, and they like what they're saying from Drew Locke right now, the bucks We have to see what they do with Jameis Winston, but I'm thinking more and more they may just franchise him. I'm wondering how many teams are actually going to be on the quarterback market. So I don't think the Chicago Bears are going to go down that route, but Mitchell Trubisky's been looking better lately, and Devin Montgomery looks good. He's developing well, so you have to like that if you're a Chicago Bears fan. Looking at the next game, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns, in AFC North game that we really didn't care about. The Cleveland Browns are done at this juncture. They're still in it, mathematically speaking, but not practically speaking. Baker Mayfield, though, did not play well in this game. 11 of 24, zero touchdown, two interceptions. This was not a, perfor- a strong performance by him. Continued frustration by Odell Beckham Jr., only two catches for 39 yards despite five targets. This offense is just not working. Now, you can score points against the Cincinnati Bengals, and Nick Chubb had 15 carries for 106 yards, and Kareem Hunt had a rushing touchdown, and Baker Mayfield added a rushing touchdown as well. But this is a very disappointing season for the Cleveland Browns. Probably more so disappointing for the 1-12 Cincinnati Bengals. So, disappointment all around in the AFC North dweller here. And you look at the Cincinnati Bengals. At least Joe Mixon played well for you. 23 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Andy Dalton was Andy Dalton. Not the very good Andy Dalton in this game. Who cares about this game? Let's just go ahead and move on. I'm sorry, Bengals and Browns fans. Next game, we look at the Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen. And I know that the Baltimore Ravens defense is okay. I'm not even going to say it's great. A lot of people say it's a great defense. I don't buy that. They allow you to put a points on them. They allow you to move the football on them. I think they're... Okay, maybe pretty good. I don't think that they're very good. I know statistically they turn over the football a lot. That's one thing they have going for them, so they score a lot of points. But I'm not convinced how great this Baltimore Ravens defense is. And with that said, Josh Allen was 17 of 39, 146 yards. He was missing a lot of throws in this game, only 3.7 yards per carry. Not a very strong performance from Josh Allen. Sacked six times in this game, so the offensive line didn't give him the protection that he needed. But this is why I still have my reservations about Josh Allen moving forward. Now, he can continue to develop, and hopefully he does if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. But this is why I have reservations about him. Look at Devin Singletary; he ran well. It looks like he's really going to be able to take a hold of that starting running back position, and next week, uh, be able to, uh, you know, really take advantage and move forward as the starting running back for this football team. But we'll have to see about that. You look at the Buffalo Bills, and uh, or you look at their wide receiver core; they didn't really do much on uh, in terms of that defense, anything noteworthy. Not quite. But for the Baltimore Ravens. You only won this game by seven points. Some would be concerned by that. But Buffalo's a tough out, especially at home, especially in December. That is something that you have to consider. I mean, we saw the New England Patriots almost lose in Buffalo. We did see the Philadelphia Eagles go to Buffalo and perform really well. But this is not an easy team to beat in Buffalo, especially this time of year. So I'm fine with it. Lamar Jackson still threw three passing touchdowns despite only 145 passing yards. I think, this does, I think this does add to his MVP resume to a certain extent, but not to a large extent because with only 145 passing yards, that's something that takes away. But what really does help for him is that Ross Wilson has not been performing that well lately. He's still performing well, but not nearly as well as he was uh, earlier in the season. So definitely to me, the route for two or two MVP for Lamar Jackson is definitely continuing to open up. I do expect Lamar Jackson to be the MVP, barring something shocking happened in the last three weeks here. And the one thing you do have to look out for Week 17, you will see Russ Wilson against the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC West title game, I believe. And if Russ Wilson has a great performance in that game and he leads the Seahawks to a great victory there, and that's a game where the number one seed could be on the line, okay? I mean, I haven't even, I can't remember if we've seen that. Where not only is the division on the line, but the number one seed as well. I mean, it has been a long time since I've seen that. I don't remember seeing that in my life. That's a huge game. One of the, Honestly, one of the most huge games I've, I I can even recall in the regular season ever. Honestly, it's a huge game. So, Russell Woods is going to have the stage to win MVP, but he's going to have to catch up a little bit to me right now. Look at the next gimme of the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. You look at the Atlanta Falcons... And they were able to have a strong performance in this one. Another NFC South victory for them. I think this is now three NFC South victories for them as they beat the Saints. They also competed against the Saints in uh, in uh, the Thanksgiving game. But they beat the Panthers earlier this season. Now they sweep the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, I don't know what's going on with Atlanta. We know that their season is lost. So they're not a playoff contender at 4-9. We absolutely know that. But... You know, in the future, do you stick with this roster? Do you just try again next year and just see what happens? What do you do? I think you do have to fire Dan Quinn, and I think it's a very sad thing because this is a guy that was up 28-3 to in the Super Bowl, but that's also a guy that choked 28-3 to in the Super Bowl, and this is what happens only three, four years later. You can get fired. You can get canned. I do think that's what they need. I do, I do think they need, you know, infusion here of something different in terms of the head coach. So I do expect that despite them having some success in the NFC South this season. You look at the Carolina Panthers and, you know, you guys have fallen and cannot get up. You guys were 4-2 and two at one point, right? Now you're sitting here at five and eight, very disappointing into the season. I don't know why they fired Ron Rivera. I would have kept Ron Rivera. And a very similar story, yes, to Dan Quinn. A guy that made the playoffs, a guy that went to the Super Bowl, and went to the playoffs multiple times, went to the Super Bowl once and loss of the Denver Broncos, but I don't blame that Super Bowl on him. I would have liked, you know, your head coach should always be involved a little bit offensively, you know, helping out with the game plan, saying we need to attack, you know, this defense this way, we need to strategize to get Cam doing the football in this way and that way. Even as a defensive head coach, you can have that kind of input, and you should have that kind of input. So I'll blame him a little bit. But to me, the Super Bowl loss for the Carolina Panthers is all on the offense, all on the offense. The defense could have been a little better. But it's all on the offense. The offense didn't show up. And I don't blame that on Rahm Revere. So he let us in a 15-1 got into the Super Bowl and the offense couldn't do anything. I blame that on the offense. I blame that on Cam. I blame that on the running game in that game. And I blame that on the offensive coordinator, uh, the former Alabama guy. I can't remember his name right now. That's who I blame it on. I would have kept Ron Rivera, and apparently there are some rumors floating around that, you know, the Panthers players were not happy about the canning of Ron Rivera. They weren't motivated for this game, and it showed. I expect the Panthers to potentially lose out at this point. I don't know what their schedule is, but I think it's on the table because I don't think the players are going to play right now, knowing that they were so down and so behind Ron Rivera, and this is the end result. He got canned. It's a very sad situation in Carolina. And, it, man, Christian McCaffrey, Jesus. This guy was carrying my fantasy lineups. No more. And it's been brutal. Christian McCaffrey, owners, you guys are right with me, man. We thought this guy was going to take us to the promised land, but he ran out of juice. All right, next game, we have the War Center Redskins. They traveled to the Green Bay Packers, and they lost 15-20. to 20. But another valiant effort by the Watson Redskins. I thought that the Packers were going to win and cover this game quite easily. But the Redskins were able to hang around a little bit. And they definitely have something with this run game right now. Adrian Peterson, 20 carries, 76 yards. Darius Guys, 5 carries, 42 yards. Don't know why he only had 5 carries in this game after he had such a strong game in the last one. I can't explain that. But uh, that was the case for some reason. Dwayne Haskins still stinks to me, people. I mean, he's having one of the worst rookie quarterback seasons I can remember in recent history. Honestly, it's, it's been that bad. On um, the season now, I think he has three touchdowns to seven interceptions, some fumbles on top of those as well. ESPN QBR in this game was 16.3. passer rating was 74.6. And he doesn't have that much to work with, but he doesn't have the worst either. He has a run game right now. He does have Terry McLaurin, and that's literally it. And the wide receiver core, Kevin Harmon, he's not nearly developed at this point. Uh, and, he just, and I think he's a rookie anyway, so, I mean, we expect that. But he's just dumping it off to Chris Thompson. You look at his 16 completions, seven of them were to Chris Thompson, who's a check down back. So, I mean, that's what we're looking at right now for Dwayne Haskins. Maybe he'll develop, maybe he'll improve, but right now, I am seeing elementary quarterback play from Dwayne Haskins. Nothing that excites me. Nothing that tells me we could have something special here. I just don't see it. I really don't see it. If someone in the chat brought up worse, uh, not worse than Deshaun Kaiser's rookie year, I would agree with that. It's not worse than Deshaun Kaiser. Kaiser tried to do more though. You know, Kaiser took more risk than Haskins takes. So yeah, you know, give and take there. But yeah, I think Deshaun Kaiser was worse. I think that's fair. And you look at the Green Bay Packers, though, Aaron Rodgers, you know, only 18 of 28, 195 yards a touchdown. But, you know, this Redskins defense has been playing a little better lately. You know, they're finally living up to their potential because I don't really know why the Redskins defense was as porous as it was to start this season they're not that bad on paper now bill callahan who is now in there as head coach he has them playing up to their potential so that's nice to see if you're a Redskins fan you know that's some hope for next season as well just worry about that quarterback right right now to me and dwayne haskins All right, moving on to the next game. You have the Denver Broncos at the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson struggled in this one, and I can't believe it. I really cannot believe it. When I was talking about the Tennessee Titans, and I was talking about looking at this matchup, I said there's no way that the Broncos are going to win this game in Houston, especially Houston coming off that big win against the New England Patriots. But the thing is... Maybe they actually were on too much of an emotional high. And then facing the Broncos the week later, it's like, eh, who cares? We're facing the Broncos. We don't really need to try. And this is what happens. But this is truly a shocking result that changes things drastically in the AFC South. Now the Titans are absolutely in it. And the Texans, you look at their last three games, and now they're facing the Titans twice. They're facing them in Nashville week 15 and then in Houston week 17. And then week 16, they travel to Tampa. Bay where Tampa Bay just had a strong performance against another AFC South team in the Indianapolis Colts. All of a sudden, the end to this Houston Texans schedule is looking more questionable if they can't even win a game like this against the Denver Broncos. I do expect the Texans to wake up to a certain extent, but this was very concerning. And beating the Patriots right now is that even a very impressive thing. It's not even that impressive of a thing. So maybe we were just too quick to jump on this Houston Texans bandwagon. You look at the defense, and it just struggled tremendously. They let rookie quarterback Drew Locke in his second game, though for 309 passing yards. Three touchdowns and in one interception. This is something that cannot happen. Only five incompletions, as well as he was 22 of 27. ESPN QBR of 98.6. Fantastic play by Drew Locke. And this excites me about Drew Locke. And this is the performance we have not seen from Dwayne Hassens. So, this is another quarterback from this rookie class, right? He threw for more passing touchdowns in this game than Dwayne Hassens has in his career. And Dwayne Hassens has now started anywhere from. I want to say six to, I want to say five to seven games now Dwayne Hassons has started, or at least play a significant time. So that's why I'm concerned right now when it comes to Dwayne Hassons. But again, we'll, we'll give him some time. So running back Philip Lindsay, though, 16 carries, 51 yards, a touchdown, you know, the regular game from him. Not much from Cortland Sutton in this game. He had five catches for only 34 yards, but a lot from Noah Fant. 113 yards for him. So that's another weapon on this Denver Broncos offense that is showing signs of development. So now, if you can look at, you know, Drew Locke, and this guy can be something. Cortland Sutton has shown a lot of potential this year, and he's really starting to come into his own. Noah Fenn is showing some signs here. I'm not a big fan of Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, he's all right to me, but I think he needs some more wide receivers in here. But now, obviously, you have Bill Lindsay at the running back position as well. This could be a nice little exciting offense in Denver. Or over the upcoming years now, I don't even know who their offensive coordinator is right now. I want to say they had Mike McCoy Or was that last year? But someone got fired. I remember that. I think it was Mike McCoy He was who came back to the Broncos and got fired and I want to say that was this year Someone in the chat tell me so I don't know what the offensive coordinator situation is over there because Vic Fangio He's a head coach. He is a defensive head coach so you're gonna have to get a guy that can lead this offense in terms of play calling, but this game shows a lot of potential in terms of that aspect. We move on to the next game. As the Detroit Lions lose to the Minnesota Vikings 7 to 20, David Blau blew this one. As he was one of uh he had one touchdown and two interceptions, 24 of 40. You know, he's a third-string quarterback at best. I mean, he was basically on the street, so this isn't too shocking. But this is the end result. This is why the Lions are so dependent on Matthew Stafford. And make no doubt about it, right? So if anyone wants to doubt, you know, how much Matthew Stafford means to the Detroit Lions, how valuable he is, look at this string of games by the Detroit Lions. They've now lost, I want to say, six straight games. They have no chance in hell of winning football games. I mean, they had a chance of beating the Bears, but not really. Like, they just, you can tell they're not going to win games with David Black, quarterback. You can tell how valuable Matthew Stafford is. And also, the running back position as well in on Johnson, it's just so disappointing to me. Because, although, look, I know I had the Lions winning the division, and you look at how strong the Vikings and Packers have been this season, it probably wouldn't have happened, okay? Don't get me wrong. But I just would have liked to see the Lions healthy with Stafford and Karrion Johnson because I be- and also Kenny Galladay who has popped off, right? So call- we got what we expected from Galladay. But I just think that this Stafford, Karrion Johnson, and Galladay, that trio, I think it's one of the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trios in the next upcoming years if they can stay healthy. If they can't, then forget about it. But I love that trio. That's a great trio. It's hard to see that quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio like that. You look at the other team here, Minnesota Vikings, they have that. And Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and Adam Thielen went healthy, but he ain't been healthy. They also have Stephon Diggs, though, whereas the Lions have no true person or wide receiver near Kenny Galladay's level. Marvin Jones is nearing done at this point. But then, hey, maybe if TJ Hawkinson can develop, they'll have the tight end. But you look at the Vikings, though, you have to like what you saw at here. Stephon Diggs, he was able to carry the mantle a little bit. Laquan Treadwell had had an an appearance in this one, two catches for 42 yards. So, you know, we got something out of him because Adam Thielen again. Oh, my God, Adam Thielen. I have Adam Thielen right now in one of my fantasy leagues at work, and he just screwed me this season. I mean, absolutely. I had the third most points with Adam Thielen on my team this year. If I had anyone else, if I would have picked a normal wide receiver, like Kenny Galladay, I want to say I took him over Kenny Galladay. If I had Kenny Galladay, I think I would have won the whole league. But every single week, Thielen was out, and I was eight points away from winning this matchup, this matchup, this matchup. matchup. so frustrating. Oh, Adam Thielen. Oh, and he was always almost, well, he might play. He's questionable. He never played. It was so ridiculous owning Adam Thielen this year. But anyway, it is what it is. You look at the other things. Dabu Cook. I was surprised how much he played in this game because looking at his injury against the Seahawks, I thought he was legitimately hurt, but by Tuesday and Wednesday in practice, he was saying, I'm good to go. So he played well. He looks like he's healthy. So it doesn't look like that's a problem for the Minnesota Vikings. We look at the next game, and this was the game of the week, maybe even the game of the year. As we have the San Francisco 49ers traveling to New Orleans, defending the New Orleans Saints to an incredible game, incredible performances, at least offensively, by both teams. I did not expect this many points. Like, I know these are two very potent offenses, but I thought that these defenses were going to show up more than this. 48-46, to I thought it was going to be maybe 35-32, not 48-46. But, hey, this is what it was. And the 49ers, they had the ball last. They got it done. They scored that last uh, go-ahead. Field goal, and you just had the feeling, even though there wasn't much time left in the game, you just had the feeling, though, that they were still going to go down and get the field goal because that's how porous of the defenses have been. And then George Kittle, he goes beast mode and rattles down the field and gets, you know, significant yardage to set the 49ers up. Look at Jimmy Grapple, definitely the best game of his, uh, maybe his career, you could even argue. I mean, this is in terms of the significance of the game and how well he played. Four touchdowns, one interception, 26-35. to 35. 349 passing yards, fantastic performance there. They ran the ball a little bit. he Mostert had 10 carries for 69 yards. And a touchdown, Matt Breida, 6 carries for 54 yards. No touchdown, but 9 yards a carry. I am all in on the 49ers this season. I think they're going to win winning the Super Bowl. This is what I believe. And this game only really solidified that for me. I mean, for them to go to New Orleans and win under these circumstances – was just fantastic. I think, and now they're getting guys back healthy again. Now Emmanuel Sanders is back and healthy again. He had 157 receiving yards in this game. And now you're seeing George Kittle back and healthy again. They're getting guys back. like They were winning games while guys were hurt. Now they're getting guys back. I think the 49ers are ready to roll, ready to go. I'm excited for it. I'm ready to see it. And I think they're going to the Super Bowl. I think they're winning it. I think the only reason they lost in Baltimore was because it was in Baltimore because of the rain. I think if they meet them on a neutral field, they outscore them. They find ways to stop them. Their athletic defense find ways to slow down Lamar Jackson. They win the game. After being so hesitant on the 49ers this season, at least early in the season, I'm all in on the 49ers right now. They are just so impressive to me. So, so, so impressive. But for the Saints, I know there isn't a great loss. In this league, but I think right now, next to the Ravens, this is the greatest loss you can have. And for you to perform this well, I did not expect you to perform this well offensively, because the Saints have been struggling a little bit. But it's been against NFC South opponents, right and and right. And as my friend on YouTube, Louis T, says, you know, this is family business when you're facing. Teams in your division, when you're facing rivals in your division, is what he calls family business, okay? If they say they ain't did it, they ain't did it. But if they did, it's family business. Shout out to Louis T. You just never know what's going to happen in divisional games. But outside of the division, the Saints look great. And they look great in this one. And Drew Brees, five touchdowns, 349 yards, killing it in this game. I still don't understand why they can't run the football consistently with Alvin Kamara. This has been such a disappointing year for Alvin Kamara in terms of our expectations of him. We ain't him to be right up there with Christian McCaffrey. At least... But now he's getting shown up by Dalvin Cook, and it's not even close. He's getting shown up by Derrick Henry, and it's not even close. He's getting shown up by Nick Chubb, and it's not even close. I-, I just don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara this year. He should be way more dominant than he is. There's no reason why Alvin Kamara should not be right out there with Christian McCaffrey. There's no reason in the world. And yet, this is where we are. So, they got to figure that out. Now, Latavius Murray, he has seven carries for 69 yards in this game. So, maybe you run more with Murray. Now, I'm not a big Murray fan. But maybe that's what you have to do because they're going to have to slow these games down a little bit. You just can't. Right now, you cannot expect to outscore San Francisco. You just can't expect it to me, especially if they end up being the number one thing you have to go to San Francisco and face them. You just can't expect that to happen. You have to slow these games down at least because they can't. They can run the football, absolutely, and they will run the football on you. And that's going to be the significant thing that they have over here in their defense to me right now is better, too So I think the 49ers are better than the Saints The Saints had hopefully advantage here and they still lost I am absolutely all in on the 49ers right now And I think the Saints are very good very strong But I don't think they're able to beat the 49ers right now and the Seahawks it would depend But I think they can beat the Seahawks. I do think they can beat the Seahawks. So honestly if you're a Saints fan you might want to—you'd you, be okay if the 49ers and Seahawks can take one, each, uh, one of each, uh, each other out in the divisional round. Right? I think that's what you're looking forward to. Moving on to the next game, we have the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets, As uh, the Jets get it done 22-21. Don't really care about this game, but hey, you know, the Jets, they barely won this one. They took a game-winning field goal. Sam Thicken, their kicker, delivered and Sam Donald played a little better in this one, sure, but it's the Dolphins. I mean, who cares? I mean, honestly, I'm sorry. But at least, oh, at least this, Robbie Anderson's been playing a lot better with Sam Donald. So, you know, this is still a weapon that you have. Now, I don't think Robbie Anderson is a number one wide receiver in this league, but I think he's a number two and a pretty good number two. I want to see a true number one wide receiver in this offense. That is something that I'm looking forward to seeing. Hopefully they're able to add one in the offseason. season. There is still things to like about the Jets, and they have a very good defense, and they still have a lot of pieces on defense. I don't know why they traded away Leonard Williams, but whatever. That's another story for another day. But that's something that they decided to do. I don't get it. But I do like a lot about this team. You just question about Adam Gates. You just wonder about the fit there. Should we even get our hopes up? What's the point in that? You know, come on. But for the Dolphins, I don't know. Isaiah Ford did well. That That's cute. You know, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I mean, Patrick Laird, who is this guy? Patrick Laird, Laird, who, who, who is this guy? He had 15 carries for 48 yards. Should I pick this guy up in fantasy? Like this, I'm not picking this guy up in fantasy. Everyone was trying to tell me before the year, oh, well, you need to pick up Kenyon Drake or Kalen Ballage because they're going to be getting reps in Miami. And I'm like, dude. I don't care who's getting reps in Miami. They're not going to do nothing. Now, Devontae Parker has actually been one fantasy relevant player some weeks. And even a lot lately, even though in this game I think he was out. No, he, played, he just didn't do that much. But there's, I don't care who the running back is in Miami. They're not going to do nothing. Forget about it. Devontae Parker maybe, but forget about it. Patrick Laird. Come on. Let's move on. All right, next game, we have the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Tampa Bay, getting upset by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or at least what I would call an upset. How about Jameis Winston, who is Mr. Volume? I mean, this guy is incredible with the amount of volume that he outputs on a week-by-week basis. It is insane. In this game, 33 of 45, 456 passing yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. This is what he had. He also, I want to, did he have a fumble in this game as well? Because, you know, he always likes to fumble the football. Didn't I have the football, did not fumble the football this game, and that's even surprising to say. But, the, okay, that's what he didn't have on his, uh, on his stat sheet today. He is going to finish the season with over likely 30 passing touchdowns and close to 30 interceptions. I think he's going to end up leading the league in passing yards. He's number two right now to Dak Prescott, and he's behind by about seven passing yards. So you have a quarterback here who can lead the league in passing, throw for over 30 passing touchdowns, but he just can't stop throwing the ball to the other team too. He just throws the ball everywhere. He's just throwing it all over the place. He don't care what jersey you got on. I'm just throwing it to people. I'm throwing it to human beings. He's like, Oprah, you get a football. You get a football. You get a football. He's insane. It's it's absolutely insane, Jameis Winston. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they think that they can rehabilitate him. The one thing I will say... I think if they actually get a legitimately good defense, they will be dangerous. They will be, I think, a playoff team. I just don't think you'll win a Super Bowl with this. It's just it's just too many turnovers. But if you're really able to develop this defense, and you have, what's his name, White from LSU. You have Devin White, who you drafted last year, the linebacker out of LSU. You have now Vita Veya, who's been coming on lately. And Donald Kong, who's getting older, but, you know, you have him on a one-year deal, I believe. Maybe you can re-sign him. I don't know why you guys got rid of Gerald McCoy, but that's another story for another day. Shaquiro Barrett's been a beast this season. Although he's been falling off lately, but we all expected that. They are—you have some nice pieces here. The question is, you know, can we just get more consistency in, in terms of not turning the football over to the other team? Like, that's the question. But the offense is already there. I mean, I'd like to see more from the running back position. Ronald Jones I don't have much faith in, but it's just insane. You look at the Indianapolis Colts, though, a disappointing game here. You're still in the AFC wildcard race, but you got to win out. And if you do, you actually have a, a, you know, a legitimate shot. You know, you have some tiebreakers that work in your favor against the Tennessee Titans. Against the Oakland Raiders, you do not. And the Steelers, I can't remember. But you guys are definitely having a tiebreaker over the Tennessee Titans right now, so you can hold on to that, right? You can hold on to that hope and that belief, but uh, with the way the Titans are playing right now, I wouldn't back. Uh, I wouldn't bet on that. Jacoby Brissett, 19 of 36, but he had two touchdowns, zero interceptions, so I guess you have to like that aspect. Marlon Mack, 13 carries, 38 yards on his return so not much from him there and the Bucks do have a strong run defense that is something that they do that they do definitely have but you guys are just missing T.Y. Hilton to me T.Y. Hilton has just been so valuable for this Indianapolis Colts offense since he's been drafted since he was drafted and I want to say 2012 yeah 2012 right next to Andrew Luck he was drafted in the fourth round so you know without T.Y. Hilton you just can't move the football consistently can't put up enough points I mean you scored 35 points don't get me wrong But, you know, only 250 passing yards, only 66 rushing yards. You mostly got points because Jameis Winston kept giving the ball right back to you. And I think you guys had a pick six, if I remember correctly, when I saw the highlights. So, it's just frustrating. You guys started so strong. Four and two you guys started this season. But everything went to hell when Brian Hoyer had to come in from a couple games and you guys got hurt. So, you can at least fall back on that. But, again, I would not move forward with Jacoby Brissett. I'm not. Well, you can move forward with him. But, I I'd look, if there's a quarterback that's sitting there in the first, second round, I'd take him. Because I don't think Jacoby Brissett's going to win a Super Bowl in this league. And I'm actually damn set on that. We move on to the next game. We have the L.A. Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chargers get it done 45-10. to 10, An incredible performance by the L.A. Chargers, who continue to be inconsistent this season in our lives. This decade, this millennia, this generation. I mean, this Chargers team is ridiculous. How they can, and I know the Jaguars are not very good. Don't get me wrong. We're going to get to the Jaguars in a second. But how the Chargers can so strongly defeat the Jaguars like this, so strongly defeat the Green Bay Packers the way they beat the Green Bay Packers a number of weeks ago, but still this season, it's just insane to me. I don't understand it at all. But Phillip Rivers was back for this game. He, had, he was 16-22, 314 carries, 3 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 14.3 yards per attempt. People keep wanting to say that Phillip Rivers is done. It's sacrilege. I, the only thing that he's struggling with is in how he's viewing the game, but he does this literally every three or four years. It's literally a cycle with Phillip Rivers. But if you're watching the Chargers, if you're watching Rivers, it's not a physical thing. He can still make the throws. That's not the problem. The problem is he just been backing up sometimes and just chugging it. Just chugging it for no damn reason. And you're like, what are you doing? And it will be off on some throws. He will have some inaccuracy too. He's got some accuracy problems. But he's not done physically. I'm not worried about Flip Rivers physically. Literally every three years, about every two, three, four years, he has seasons like this. And you just accept it. He just threw for 20 interceptions. That's what happened. I don't get it. Then the next season, he'll be stronger than ever. That's Philip Rivers. If you've watched him in his career, that is literally Philip Rivers, people. That's what he does. But anyway, we look at Austin Eckler, who was an absolute beast in this football game. He carries 101 yards, also receiving four receptions, 112 uh, yards, it, incredible receiving performance from Austin Eckler, adding a touchdown there as well, so hopefully you started Austin Eckler who's still very fantasy relevant at, that, at this point in the season and even Melvin Gordon ate, so he's not even taking away from Melvin Gordon if you had Melvin Gordon as well, but as for the Jacksonville Jaguars I mean, what an absolute disaster they stink they thought that, you know, benching Nick Foles and starting Gardner Minshew would be the answer to all their problems what ridiculousness. I mean, Nick Foles is not very good, and they should start guarding a midshoot, but your problems go deeper than that. This is just a poorly coached team. They give up so easily. I was trying to tell people this year when they were picking the Jacksonville Jaguars to win games, to do shit, I was trying to tell them. They're not going to do anything. Okay, they're going to quit when the going gets tough. They traded away Jalen Ramsey. They still have A.J. Boye, whose uh, effort wanes consistently. Yannick Ngakwe, whose effort wanes consistently. Even Kawhi's Campbell at this point, his effort wins consistently. I see it on tape. I see when I'm watching the game. It's just the case. They just give up. They just gave up. They don't have the juice under Doug Marone. They have to fire Doug Marone, and I expect that they will. Look at the next game. We have the Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 40, 283 yards, one touchdown, one interception, was sacked once, And did not have that strong of a game to me. He played well, but he wasn't the story entirely. They only put out 23 points, albeit in Foxborough, only 23 points. But the Chiefs continue to not be able to run the football, only 2.6 yards per carry. That is concerning. But the bigger story is the New England Patriots, of course. I expected them to lose this game to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they did. If the Patriots are facing a good team this year, they're going to lose. The only reason they did not lose to the Buffalo Bills was, I believe, Josh Allen got hurt. I think with Josh Allen, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but I do think that they win that game if Josh Allen was healthy for the full game against the Patriots earlier this year in Buffalo. But that was not the case. The Patriots cannot be a good team. They beat the Cowboys and the Eagles, who at the time we thought were still okay. They're not good teams, especially the way they're playing this month. And they played them last month in November, right? So they're not good teams that they beat in Philadelphia and Dallas. They cannot beat a good team. If they're facing a good team, even in Foxborough, they're going to lose. So, well, right now with how they're playing, because their offense is awful. And again... It's not because their wide receivers are finally mediocre. It's because they're awful. It's because they're terrible. It's because they're practice squad guys at best. They're turning this Jacoby Myers, or at least they're trying to turn him into something. It's a joke. The guy's just not that good. Okay, that's just it. You look at, you know, Edelman has to do everything. But this Matt Lacoste, Muhammad Sanu stinks. I don't know why they traded for Mohamed Sanu. And Akil Harry just don't get it. Right now, he and Brady are just not on the same page at all. You keep seeing Brady wanting to look at him, wanting to give him shots, wanting to give him opportunities to no avail consistently. It's just problems all over there in New England right now, offensively. And they also can't run the football like they want to, be able to just impose their will on other teams. Look like at Sonny Michelle, only five carries for eight yards. They spent a first round pick on this guy. Now, be it at the end of the first round. They spend a first-round pick on this guy, and this is the type of production that they're getting. Ridiculous. The offense can't move the football. I don't expect them to be a team in the playoffs. I do expect them to make the bye week because they will win their last three games to me as they face Buffalo, as they face, I want to say Miami again, but it could easily be New York. Let me check the schedule real quick. Yeah, as they... Ha! It gets even worse. I thought that was saying something. I wish they faced Miami. Uh, well, they do, but <laughs> I wish they faced the Jets, let me say. So next week, they travel to Cincinnati. Then they host Buffalo. Then they host the Miami Dolphins. And they might lose this game to the Buffalo Bills, people. If they... if they, Honestly, I, I think I might pick the Bills in that game. With the way they're playing right now, I think I might pick the Buffalo Bills... To win that game. Why should not? They can't beat good teams. They haven't been dominant in the past month and a half. Even that Browns game was an ugly game. They weren't very particularly dominant in that game. So I'm not buying the New England Patriots right now. I think they might lose that game. And I think that they lose in the playoffs, whoever wins will beat the New England Patriots. I don't care if it's the Tennessee Titans. I don't care if it's the Houston Texans. I don't care if it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care... Okay, I kind of care if it's a Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, then it's like, ah, okay, probably not. And Buffalo Bills, I'd have to see how they perform in the next one. But I just don't have much faith in the Patriots right now at all the way they're playing. Look at the next game. We have the Tennessee Titans versus the Oakland Raiders. But I already recapped that on the Sports Fan Entertainment YouTube channel. So check out the YouTube channel if you want my recap of that. Next game, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Arizona Cardinals. Duck, duck. Goose Hodges with 16 of 19, one touchdown, zero interceptions. I mean, this is still absolute backup quarterback play. Hell, probably third string. But, but, man, Mike Tomlin is still winning games with this football team. It's incredible. Look at these guys. They have Duck, Duck Goose Hodges. They have Carrieth White. They have Benny Snell Jr. Who are these guys? Dude, this is like a Madden auto-generated rookie class. Who are these clowns? Carrieth White and Benny Snell Jr. Dude, this sounds like the, the, my, my, my lunch partners in first grade. I think I had a friend named Benny. I think his, his last name might have been Snell. This might be my home, but I'm about to hit him up. I mean, seriously. Uh, Deontay Johnson, now this is a rookie that they drafted. James Watson, they drafted him last year. Deion came from Clemson. I know these guys. But who the hell is Benny Snell Jr. and Kareth White? Who is Doug Doug Goose Hodges? What is going on? But they're still winning games. They're still getting plays from special teams. And now look at this: the Pittsburgh Steelers have now matched their win total this season to last season. That is incredible. That is incredible. Last season they went what is it, eight seven and one? This year now they're already eight and five. I think he's coach of the year, Mike Tomlin. I know this is saying something in a year where the Ravens are as strong as they are and Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are as strong as they are, but I think this is the best coaching job. The fact that he has this, if he makes the playoffs, I think Mike Tomlin has to win coach of the year. I know the 49ers and the Ravens have been great, but to make the playoffs, having probably won at least nine games, but maybe even 10 with Doug, Duck, Duck, Goose Hodges, and, you know, these guys, it's incredible. And they continue to get these special teams plays and these defensive plays. It's incredible. Look at the Cardinals, though. It's just so disappointing right now, the Arizona Cardinals. This is now, what, six straight losses, maybe five, for the Arizona Cardinals. Not making the moves anymore. The offense has gone flat. Kyler Murray's now having his struggles. And I still have faith in Kyler Murray long term. But you know the offensive line is now starting to have his problems. He was sacked five times in this game. They got after him. They they gave him problems. They struggled, and uh, consistently. So it was a problem. Oh, by the way, someone in the chat correct me that the Steelers were nine six and one last year. I remember now that I think they yeah they won that week seventeen game. But um, yeah, you look at this Cardinals team. It's just frustrating. Uh, especially for me, because I'm a big Colin Murray fan But, you know, the run game It's just non-existent They're just trying to run with carry on, or Kenyon Drake and, and David Johnson I mean, It's just pretty much non-existent And it's just rearing its ugly head at this point uh, Larry Fitzgerald, retire You know, it's, it's cool Unless he really wants to come back next year But, you know, there, there's no reason to play with this right now There's just not much of a reason Although the Cardinals could make a jump next year But, I wouldn't, try, I wouldn't even try to risk it If I was him I'd just be like, alright, I'm gonna head out all right, next game we have the Sunday Night Football game. The Seattle Seahawks traveling to L.A. facing on the L.A. Rams, where the Rams got it done 28-12. to Strong performance here from Jared Goff, although he still had two interceptions. But still, if you saw the game, it was a strong performance from Jared Goff. They ran the ball better. Todd going only had 3.4 yards per carry, but if you watched the game, he was having some decent runs for sure. Uh, they also incorporated some Robert Woods in there, some Josh Reynolds. So you like to see that. Tyler Higbee. Had a very strong game, 116 receiving yards for him. So that was nice to see. D.K. Metcalf for the Seahawks. He's starting to develop. You have to like that aspect if you are a D.K. Metcalf or a Seahawks fan. And he is right next to A.J. Brown as being uh, probably the best rookie wide receiver this year. Terry McLaurin started off so great, but he's absolutely fallen off since guess who's starting? Since Dwayne Hassan started. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. But, yeah, DK Metcalf, uh, he continues to play well. Tyler Lock has been a little quiet lately the past couple weeks. I know Tyler Lock and, uh owners and fans, he must be upset about that. But, yeah, I think this is a disappointing loss for the Seattle Seahawks. And we had a super chat $1 from Grayson rushing. Thank you for that. I think you have to be a little frustrated here if you're a Seahawks fan. This isn't a game that you needed, but it would have been a nice to have. But you keep a divisional foe, an opponent, and rival in the race for the playoffs. And you fall one back of the San of the Francisco 49ers, you lose, you know, current positioning for the number one seed. And again, I still expect for Week 17 to come down to that, you know, for the division to be up for grabs, for the number one seed to be up for grabs in that moment. Do not get me wrong, but, you know, it's just a little problematic. It's just a little, it's a little scary right now if you're a Seahawks fan because if you drop another one and the 49ers continue to win, then all of a sudden that Week 17 game doesn't mean anything. And that'd be a very frustrating thing. You look at the last game, the Monday night football game. And this was an NFC East battle. And I expected this. And yet I'm still shocked. As Eli Manning almost pulled it off. The ultimately, though, the Eagles did get it done. They do win the game 23 to 17. But, boy, oh, boy, the Giants were up 17-3 to in this game, and you just felt that, man, the Eagles blew it again. Eli Manning has caught Pizzle. A Giants YouTuber would say, Eli! Eli Manning almost pulled off a Monday night little, little miracle. It wouldn't be a miracle. Being the Eagles is no damn miracle right now. But it would have been nice. It would have been a nice three, a nice win. For sure, as the Giants, Jesus, how many games have they lost in a row now? The New York Giants are now setting, what, 2 and 11? That is now nine straight losses for the New York Giants. They have fallen and they definitely cannot get up. That is a league worst right now for the New York Giants. Disastrous. You know, at least they're probably going to get Chase Young at the end of this thing. And it's actually incredible. They're, they're, they're going to have Saquon Barkley and Chase Young on the same team. I mean, that is, those are two great building blocks to have right there. I still don't trust the Giants to do anything with them because they're the damn New York Giants. But if they hire the right coach, they won't have that conversation. Well, here's the thing about Eli. He was 15 or 32 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He looked fine. Like No one's saying that Eli Manning is horrible. No one's saying that he's awful. He's just not good. He's just done. There's just no reason to start him anymore. So I know, you know, the Eli fans were happy to see him out there and they wanted to defend him saying, whoa, oh, he looks so good, he had us with the lead. He didn't look that good. Okay, let's relax there. For the Eagles, though, well, at least you won the game. You know, you, you won the game, you showed Moxie, you showed fight, you showed hot, you came back, you won the game. Now you were down 17-3, to 3, which is Ridiculous but you were able to come back and you are able to win the game. Carson Wentz played well to me, but there is bad news out of this game as Alshon Jeffrey is now out for the season, and this hurts because your wide receivers are awful outside of Alshon Jeffrey right now, and I was a fan of J.J. Arthigo Whiteside. He was drafted in this 2019 draft by the Philadelphia Eagles in the second round. I was a fan of him. He's struggling right now. He is not developing the way I thought he was going to early. And they've had injuries in and out. Also, Lane Johnson looks like he's weak to week right now. I don't think the Eagles, and this is saying something because the Cowboys are awful. I don't think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. So if you had to ask me right now, I think it would be the Cowboys. I do think they can even go to Philadelphia and win. Because although the Cowboys did not look good against the Chicago Bears, you cannot be down 17-3 to against this New York Giants 2-11 and team. You just cannot. You just cannot. And this is what the Eagles did. So the Eagles, to me, have been more embarrassing lately. And they are both embarrassing. I mean, this is embarrassing in the NFC East right now. It's bad. Oh, it's really bad. But at least now we know one of these teams is going to go at least 7-9. So there's not going to be a 6-10 winner here unless if they tie that Week 16 game and then maybe the division winner is 6-9-1. Now, that would be very interesting. But I think we can go ahead and say that probably won't happen. But hey! This is newfound ground in the NFC East. I'm not going to put anything over their heads. They just continue to throw their tight ends, who are strong, and and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and their running backs as well, but it's just so predictable. I, I just don't think they can do anything here. We'll see, though, but I think it is the Cowboys division. As soon as they wake the hell up, and I do expect them to wake the hell up this upcoming week after they've had a lot of rest ...from that Thursday night football game. And we are finally once again talking NBA. It's time for me to reveal my top 10 NBA teams so far this season. Now, I made this list on, what's today again? Tuesday? On Tuesday during the day. I know there are some results tonight, so the records are not updated. And also, my thoughts are not updated to what happened tonight... If I look at the scores right now, I don't think anything happened that was that shocking that would actually affect my rankings. Yeah, the biggest one is Philadelphia, who I expected to win, and they did. So we're fine with that. So with that said, my number 10 team right now in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets at 14-7 and 7 on the screen is what it says. But after tonight's loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, are now fourteen and are now fourteen and eight. And sorry if I it's, I might mix up and say Denver Broncos or Philadelphia Eagles because I talk too much NFL. But we're gonna get into the NBA rhythm soon enough. So yeah, number ten we have the Denver Nuggets. At 14-8, and I've been a little disappointed. I actually expected the Nuggets to potentially be the number one seed in the Western Conference. I didn't get to make my NBA predictions before the season, but I thought it was on the table. Looking at how strong they were last season, winning, I think it ended up being 58 games. Could have been even 60. I wouldn't even be surprised, but definitely being one of the top teams in the Western Conference. I know the Conference has gotten more difficult with the Lakers and the Clippers having the additions that they had. But looking at the Nuggets, you expected a larger leap from Nikola Jokic. You expected a larger leap from Jamal Murray, and you just haven't seen that. And not only them, but even like a guy like Malik Beasley to really come into his own, because I'm a huge Malik Beasley fan. They've been a little disappointing. Still a strong team. But looking at how they performed in the playoffs last year, there's no real reason to think that they're a contender at this point. Maybe they catch fire later, but they've been a little disappointing, and they come in at number 10. Number 9. Oh, that is not correct. Uh, number nine on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, it also says the Deborah Nuggets, but it should say the Phil- it should say the Toronto Raptors, I want to say. Let me check. Yeah. Uh, number nine should say the Toronto Raptors who are 16 and seven as well. And how strong have they been to start this season? I had a record of 16 and seven right now. and the one thing I did not expect. Was for Pascal Siakam to be as good as he is right now. He is absolutely fantastic. Pascal Siakam, averaging over 25 points a game. Uh, what is it like? Seven, eight rebounds a game, maybe even nine. Turning into the defensive stud that he is, running around. He's been incredible we just don't buy into the fact that the raptors can actually go anywhere in, in the playoffs. You know, past even the second round would be shocking. Getting to the second round is going to be difficult this year, but getting past uh you know the the second round that, that we don't see that happening with Pascal Siakam being the star player and seeing how they consistently performed in the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard. And you know, in the old days with Demar Derozan, we don't expect that. But you have to respect how strong they've been in the regular season. For them to be sixteen and seven and consistently beating good teams like they are, number nine has to be the Toronto Raptors. Number eight, the Houston Rockets, who are fifteen and eight. Now this might shock some of you if they are, as they are only like five and five in their last ten games. But I still like the Rockets overall. A lot of people were concerned when the Rockets added Russell Westbrook because the question was. How are they going to be able to share the ball between Russell Westbrook and James Harden? And it hasn't been a problem. And the reason it hasn't been a problem and the reason I knew it wasn't going to be a problem, that's literally all they have. It's literally just Westbrook and Harden. A little Eric Gordon, a little Clint Capella. But it's pretty much just Harden and Westbrook. And you can share the ball between two players. The problem is if you go 2004 Lakers and you have Kobe and you have Shaq and you have an old Gary Payton and you have an ascending Derek Fisher and you have an old Carmelo and I think Rick Fox was still the team at that point and you have this and you have that and everyone wants the ball and everyone wants to do this and that. When you just have Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, and essentially a bunch of role players. Oh, it can work. Now, you're still going to win the NBA championship. It's still not good enough to win the NBA championship. It could be if you could replace Clint Capella for someone like, someone that isn't ball dominant but can still be very strong defensively for them. Like, let's say Rudy Gobert. If Rudy Gobert was on this team, I'd be like, okay, title contender. Still probably want to pick him over the Lakers and Clippers, but they'd be the number team in the Western Conference right now. They don't. They have Clint Capella and they have Eric Gordon, and that's pretty much all that's really helping them right now. So they'll make the playoffs. First round, we'll see if they can win that. But they're fine. They're exactly where they were last year. And some people say, well, what's the point of getting Ross Westbrook if you would have went farther with Chris Paul? That was a different Western Conference. It was a weaker Western Conference, and this Western Conference is more difficult. Like, this is a better Western Conference right now. I know the records are similar to the Eastern Conference, But you can just tell talent-wise this is a tougher Western Conference right now. The Rockets will go no farther with Russell Westbrook than they went with Chris Paul. But I do believe it is a better team. I really do believe that it is on paper for sure. And I think that they showed that, hey, they're all right. And they will be in the, you know, they'll be in the second-round discussion. All right, number seven the Philadelphia 76ers who won tonight, who defeated the Denver Nuggets. So they are now 18 and seven and they've looked good and they've looked damn good. The thing is right now there are some teams that are doing better in the regular season. I'm really surprising in the Eastern conference in the regular season right now. So they just are outside the top five at number seven here, but I still like a lot of what I see and I just want to see how they perform in the playoffs. That is a very important thing. Now, It is important to remember that if the Kawhi Leonard ball doesn't fall in, we could be looking at an entirely different NBA champion last season. And we probably are, right? We probably are. But it did, right? So the question is, can the 76ers go that extra leap in the playoffs? Can they make that extra step? Because they're still a very young team. I know they added out Horford. They had some veterans in that locker room. But when you're still led by Ben Simmons and Jalen B, when those are your leaders, you are still a weak team in terms of experience. And in terms of playoff experience in the NBA, you need that. That is something that you need in order to win. Absolutely you need that. Like you need to lose in the playoffs at least three, four times before you're going to get the hang of that thing. That's just the way the NBA works. So that's the one thing they have to be hesitant about when it comes to the 76ers. But right now I have them at number seven. Number six, we have the Miami Heat at 17-6. and six. They've been so strong this season. Now 18-6 and six as they beat the Atlanta Hawks today. I mean, this is just a well-balanced basketball team at this point. You look at it headed by Jimmy Butler. What a great addition he's been. He's had his head on straight. He's not causing drama in the locker room. So you have to love Jimmy Butler, what he's been doing for this basketball team. Bam Adebayo, the former Kentucky man and how he's developed. And this guy's been an absolute beast for this team. Now, how about Kendrick Nunn? This guy coming out of nowhere. Tyler Harrell's been a good pick for them. And they also have some other hidden gems as well. This has truly been one of the best jobs Pat Riley has done in terms of assembling talent and Eric Spoelstra has done in terms of developing and playing the talent. They have a nice mix right now in Miami. Now, are they true NBA title contenders? We don't think so. We, we put the 76ers over them. It's just too hard to see Jimmy Butler leading this very young team to real significant playoff you know realms you know past even the first round honestly they sit right now as the third seed so if they stay here in the third seed i would expect them to be the indian paris indian pacers if they go up against the sixers or the raptors or they fall down to the fourth or fifth which i do expect because i don't expect them to continue this pace i would expect them to be eliminated I just don't think that they're ready for that. Even the Raptors at this point, I'd probably take over the Heat because I think they have a better mix, especially defensively right now, than the Miami Heat. But, you know, again, this is an aspect to watch out for. This is a team to look out for, and they're playing very well. You have to respect the job that they're doing right now in Miami. Number five, the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic has been an absolute beast this season. I think this is the it is up there for being the greatest 20-year-old performance ever. He's been fantastic, averaging near 30 points a game. I think his rebounds are, if they're not over 10, they're very close, and his assists are over 8. It's incredible. He's putting up triple-doubles consistently. He's moving the ball well. His usage rate is high, but he is passing the ball as well, and he's just getting his team involved, and it's just so beautiful. I like Luka Doncic coming out of college. or well, not even coming out of college, coming out of Real Madrid. But even I couldn't even expect this. He's an absolute beast, absolute stud. The the best player drafted out of, the, you know, uh, not even, I, I keep wanting to say out of college, but not out of college. But the best player drafted in the NBA, honestly, since LeBron at this stage. I mean, I no one has come in this hot in his second year since LeBron. And even he's better than LeBron was in his second year. Because LeBron wasn't leading his team as strong as Luka Doncic is right now in his second year. It's absolutely amazing to watch. And he's doing this with a Christoph Porzingis who's been disappointing this year. Who has been struggling coming off of his injuries. So that's another very interesting aspect. And I'm not very keen on the rest of this Dallas Mavericks roster. So... The fact that they're right now, I want to say, let's see what seed they are. The fact that right now they're the third seed in the Western Conference, and they were able to beat the Lakers a couple of days ago, it's just a testament to Luka Doncic and the job that he's doing. And right now they're sitting with a 9.7-point differential, which is good for third best in the NBA behind only the Bucks and the Lakers. They're playing fantastic. Luka Doncic is absolutely insane, and he is, to me, the MVP right now, because I just don't like this Elson Mavericks team really outside of him, especially the way Chris Porzingis is playing. Porzingis is not playing very well. We look at the next team, number four, the Boston Celtics. And this is no surprise to me, actually, because you you, you change Kyrie Irving for Kemba Walker. That's a, not an equivalent, but it's not a significant downgrade, especially knowing that Kyrie Irving was not playing at his most altar boy in Boston. Right. So, you know, without Kyrie Irving there, it doesn't really matter to me. And now Kemba Walker is in and he's doing a good job. He's meshing well with the rest of the team. Are you going to continue development from Jalen Brown, who's actually taken a nice leap this season? I've been very impressed with Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum has improved not as much as I'd like for him to. He's averaging more points and more, you know, I want to say more rebounds as well. Still, what percentage is where I want it to be, but he's fine. I I just want to see it be a little more efficient. But, yeah, you know, you're having some improvement right now from Jason Tatum, for, uh, for sure. And you just look at the rest of the team. It's pretty much, you know, the team they've had in years past. But it, it gels well. You know, they know how to play basketball. Brad Stevens has them under control, has them well-coached. They're going to be in the running yet again in the, honestly, in the Western Conference. And I think people are sleeping on how real of a title contender that they are. I have them right now in, and this isn't shocking because they're number two seed, but if you had to ask me right now, I think they do beat the 76ers right now. I think the way they're playing right now, they do beat the 76ers in the playoffs. I know everyone wants to pick the 76ers. It makes sense they're the sexy pick because they haven't beaten they have Simmons. But I think the Celtics are a better team. And they have more experience in terms of going deeper in the playoffs than the 76ers do. They have that Eastern Conference Finals loss to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers from a couple years ago. Boston Celtics number four. Number three. We have the LA Clippers. Now, having Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both healthy, both on the court, you're seeing that the potential that this team has. And they are scary, man. I mean, this duo on the wing is so scary. Now, we're still having some load management from Kawhi Leonard, which still has to concern you, which still has to trouble you. But. You know, just having those two guys in the playoffs is just so dangerous, especially Kawhi Leonard coming off of the great performance he had in last playoffs, winning the finals MVP, deservedly so, leading Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, to the NBA championship. And here's the thing. That's still a good accomplishment, don't get me wrong. But you're still seeing how strong the Raptors are right now. The, stronger, the Raptors were strong with him in the regular season. Without him, before him, and without him, after him. So, that's the one thing I want people to just understand about Kawhi Leonard. He's very good. But the Raptors are good before him. The Raptors are good after him. The Spurs were good before him, and they were good the one year after him. Now they stink. But, you know, they were good the one year after him. So he's valuable, but he ain't LeBron, honestly. Not LeBron in his prime. LeBron now, well, the way he's playing right now, okay, LeBron still hasn't beat. LeBron last year, okay, he was better than LeBron last year because LeBron was kind of it in last year. But the the, the difference in terms of significance when LeBron is at his peak and Kawhi is at his peak is still huge. Because LeBron, what team is good after him? What team is good before him? What team? Okay, so that's the difference there. That's the one thing I do want to say. But that's not to take anything away from uh, Kawhi. That's just giving a lot to LeBron. That's me giving everything to LeBron. And speaking of number two, we have the L.A. Lakers. And they come in at number two. And I am a Laker fan, but they are number two right now. But how strong have they been in their secret weapon right now, Dwight Howard, who in this limited role off the bench has been so strong, coming in, getting blocks, getting rebounds. Last I checked, he's averaging about 3.8 blocks per 40. Incredible figure there. He's coming and he's done well. And then they're just mixing right now. They're, they're gelling better. Now, I want to see more from Kyle Kuzma. He's not been the strong number three that they've needed him to be. But they're just relying on LeBron and Anthony Davis. And the way LeBron's playing, and the way he's handling the ball, paying a lot of points, getting guys involved. He's playing very strong. Anthony Davis is playing very strong. I just wonder, is this going to last all the way to May? Or are they burning themselves out early here? This is a very strong record. To be 21-3 after four games, that is an extremely strong record a team that's still led by a 36 37 year old LeBron how old is LeBron I know he has a birthday coming up actually in December so it's a lot to ask and I just wonder are they going to run out of gas whereas the Clippers are load managing but for right now they're on number two but right now number one has to be the Milwaukee Bucks, who have won how many games in a row? 15 games in a row. And I remember they started, if you do the subtraction there, they started 6-3. And, and I, I even want to say at one point they were, yeah, about 6-3. And I was looking at them, I was like, what's going on with the Bucks? Because they should be better than this. But now they have it rolling, they have it going. And this is saying something because without Malcolm Brogdon, I thought it was going to be a big hurt for them. Now, I know he missed a decent amount of last year anyway. But I still thought that was going to be a significant loss for them. But, I mean, Giannis attended a ball. This is value. We talk about value, and Giannis still has more value than Kawhi Leonard to me. Because he has this team playing extremely well. Chris Middleton is good, but he ain't that good. Even Chris Chris Middleton couldn't win. If you put Chris Middleton... Honestly, on so many teams, I don't think he's even the second best player on a lot of teams in this league. Eric Bledsoe, his best days are behind him. Brooke Lopez, his best days are definitely behind him. But Giannis Kumpo, man, this guy is just incredibly valuable. He continues to lead his team, and it's just something to watch. Now, he's going to have to show up in the playoffs. He's going to have to show up in the playoffs, and that's the next step of his evolution. Just as I was talking about the Toronto Raptors, how, you know, they're so young, and it's hard for them to win in the playoffs. Just as I was talking about the Boston Celtics, it's so hard to win in the playoffs when you're so inexperienced. You have to take that next step. You have to take it step by step. I was also talking about this, about the 76ers. The Bucks might be ready for that last step. Now, the problem is, though, I don't see, they are true national, or not national champion. They are true NBA champion contenders. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I just don't see if they face the Clippers or the Lakers, Giannis being able to beat the duo of Anthony Davis and LeBron or the duo of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's too much to ask. It's just too much to ask, especially those teams are also pretty stacked, you know, even beyond those duos too. But Giannis, when his running mate is Chris Middleton and LeBron's running mate is Anthony Davis. And you look at, uh, Kawhi Leonard's running mate is Paul George. That's a lot to ask. And this is why we still wonder if Giannis will finally realize this in a couple years and ultimately leave the Milwaukee Bucks. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But you got to get Giannis a true number two right now. I don't know how you could do it, but Chris Middleton, I like him. Don't get me wrong. But with these duels right now, Anthony Davis and LeBron and Paul George and, and, and Kawhi Leonard, it's a lot to ask him to beat them with just Giannis. Giannis is a lot. But it's a lot to ask. So with that said, that does it for my top 10 NBA players. And that's also going to do it for this episode of the MJ Tate Podcast. No q and today. We're going to cut it short at only an hour and eight minutes today for the podcast. So if you enjoy the podcast and you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., make sure you check out the YouTube channel as well. Go to YouTube.com and look up Sports Fan Entertainment for the YouTube channel And again, this is a weekly podcast, so go ahead, stick around, subscribe to the podcast, and, you know, we'd love to have you here. For those of you that join me on the live feed, thank you for joining me. We'll be back to being live on Mondays next week, so we'll continue with the regular flow there. And as always, thank you for joining me. This has been MJ of Sports Fan Entertainment, and I'm out. See you all later.